Amen. Thank you all. You're so gracious and kind. But how about you give God a hand? Amen. Yeah. That would be all right if that was for me, but I'm talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah, that would be cute if that was for me, but I'm talking about the Savior that came from heaven, wrapped himself in flesh and dwelt among us, ultimately to go to the cross and die for us. Let's give him praise this morning. Yeah. To God be the glory for the things that he has done. Amen. Uh, I simply stand before you on assignment from our great pastor, Pastor Conway Edwards. Would you please help me celebrate our great leader? Amen. I thank God for Pastor Conway giving me and entrusting me with this assignment on this great day, Christmas Eve. And my desire is that we don't just have another time and preach another sermon that we can fold up and put in an envelope or put in a Bible or throw away, but that we have a sermon today that hopefully challenges us to look at Christmas differently. And so if you would, let's go in prayer and then prepare to dig into the Word of God. Amen? Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. We don't take it lightly, God. I pray that you would show up, God, and decrease me, that you might increase me, that you might increase. Shut me up so that you may speak up to the end that your people may leave here better than they came. God, help us to realize that Christmas is more than just a time of celebration, but Christmas should move us to an anticipation of your return. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let me start like this. I, I heard of this story of a man that had a friend named John who had a drinking problem. And he was really burdened by this situation because he felt like John was going to destroy his life and possibly even drink himself to death if he did not radically intervene on John's behalf. And so what he did is that he followed John to the local tavern, and he sat down next to John. He said, John, do you mind if I get your undivided attention for a few minutes? John said, yeah. And so what the friend did is that he asked the bartender, hey, can you give me two, uh, two glasses? And um, in those glasses, can you fill one with water and put the other, mm, any type of liquor that you want, if you could fill that glass with liquor? And so as the bartender did that, he took a pouch out of his pocket. And the friend, what he did is he pulled out two worms. He put one worm in the glass of water and put the other worm in the glass of liquor. And then the one in the glass of water began to swim around and do its thing. And the one in the liquor swam around, died, and sank to the bottom. And then he asked his friend John, now John, did you see what happened? John said, yes, I saw what happened. He said, John, what is the point of what I just did? John said, well, I believe the point of what that event shows is that if you drink a lot of liquor, you don't have to worry about worms or parasites in your body. Hmm. Do y'all think that John missed the point of that whole event? His friend was like, Lord, he, he missed the whole thing. And do you all know that so many times people see events but miss the point of the event? It makes me think about Christmas. So many times we see the event of Christmas but we miss the point of Christmas. 
so many times we see Christmas lights. We see and hear Christmas carols. We see bells and, and sleighs and reindeer, but we miss the point of Christmas being not only Jesus coming, but the pointing to Jesus returning. Christmas is not just a celebration that Jesus came, but it is a reminder that he came, he died, and he's coming again. And so today what I want to do is move us beyond celebration to an anticipation of our Savior returning to get us. Amen? And so if you would turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 2, and we are going to look at verse 36 because we have this woman that we want to talk about, and her name is Anna. Her name is Anna. Uh, 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 and many of you are like, who is Anna? Because I know you're like, I've, I've heard many Christmas stories, I've heard many Christmas sermons, but I've never heard of an Anna. Because, you know, um, we, we know about Jesus. He's the focal point of the story. We know about Mary and Joseph, right? They are the parents of Jesus. We know about the Magi or the wise men. We know about the shepherds. We've heard about all of them. We even know about the donkeys because they make it into the nativity scene on the front of the lawn. <laughs> but many of us have not heard about Anna. But Anna is an important person in the Christmas story because when they take Jesus into the temple, it is Anna who realizes that that is the Savior and begins to worship and praise God right there. But we must understand why was Anna able to do that and everybody else missed it. I believe that, that Jesus would rather us to not have Christmas trees to not show up to Christmas Eve services, to not go to candlelight services. I, I believe that God would be okay if we missed all Christmas festivities, missed all of the celebrations, and just focused on being dedicated to him all the other days of the year. God is not concerned about us celebrating Christmas. God is concerned about us looking at the milestone of Christmas and waiting in great anticipation of him to return and get his bride. And so when we look at Christmas, we must be reminded that our God wants us to move beyond celebration to anticipation. And when we look at this, 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 this time of Christmas, it should move us and maintain us in a position and a posture of anticipation of Christ's coming and continuous change that we must have as we wait on him to come. That's the story of Anna. Anna, Anna, Anna was, in, uh, was in constant anticipation of Jesus' return and it changed her. She had this, this anticipation of God's coming that altered her life to something different from what everybody else was doing. That when Jesus showed up, she was able to celebrate. Do y'all follow? That guess what? She had this anticipation that led to an alteration that prepared her for a celebration. And so if you are not going to pay attention to what is going on, you will miss the alteration that you need in your life that will prepare you for the celebration you need when Jesus returns. Amen. And so now, today, I just simply want to look at this text that points us to what it looks like to wait on Jesus. Let's look at this, this text. 
Now, you don't have to stand today, but I do want you to read out loud. Amen? Tell your neighbor, we're reading today. There you go. All right. Here we go. We just have a few verses. Verse 36, and it says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel. Let me give you a hint. Stop real quick. If you read the word real fast, nobody knows you don't know it, okay? <laughs> Except you know, all right? So, let's start over. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, and the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. Now, let me help you understand this. Typically, Jewish women would get married at the age of 14. And so if she lived with her husband for seven years, that meant by the time that he died, she was only 21 years old. Let's keep reading. And then, as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple serving night and day with fasting and prayers. From the age of 21 to the age of 84, she never left the temple and never ceased praying and fasting in anticipation for the Lord to come. Do y'all know that that should be convicting to many of us? Because some of us don't like to come to church three times a year. I won't see some of y'all until Easter. It should be convicting because guess what? This young lady didn't just go to church, but she was in a spiritual discipline of fasting and praying. Some of us, we're good with praying. It's that fasting thing I got a problem with. Giving up food? Lord, have mercy. God forbid. Is that even in the New Testament? <laughs> right? But she wasn't just praying. There were hours of being in the presence of God, not just talking words, but seeking God's presence. Right? And so we see this woman. Let's read this last verse. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continue to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. All right, here we go, y'all. This is a fantastic story because Anna is a widow who dedicated her life to a lifestyle of prayer, worship, and fasting in the temple. She, and here she is in the temple on the day in which Mary and Joseph bring their firstborn son, Jesus, into the temple to dedicate him. Now, I, I wanted to possibly start at verse 22, and when you guys get time, and hopefully tomorrow you take time to read the Christmas story, and verse 22 of Luke chapter 2, you'll see that they are coming into the temple because they need to dedicate their child unto the Lord. This was a requirement in the law, and, and Luke makes reference to the fact that the firstborn son has to be brought and actually redeemed back to God. The Lord declared the firstborn son actually belonged to him. So a family would have to come and present offerings in representation that they recognize that this child, this blessing, this gift belongs to the Lord. 
Do y'all know it's kind of like our baby dedication, but they didn't just bring the baby, they had to bring an offering. Do y'all know what offering they brought? Two turtle doves. Y'all thought that was just in the song. That was biblical. <laughs> two turtle doves or two pigeons was, was what they brought, right? This is a ceremony that Joseph and Mary are participating in, and they're bringing him to the temple where there are probably hundreds and thousands of people worshiping around them. Many people are in this court of women. They were worshiping and praying. The priests were, were, were offering sacrifices. There was smoke going up and, and, and into an uh, offering unto the Lord as it came up from the altar. There were songs being played there. People were milling in the temple, exchanging money, buying sacrifices, coming and going, saying their prayers. I mean, it was a, this is a picture of a very busy church service. Maybe you can't picture what was going on there, but you can picture what goes on here. Imagine it was like what happens between 10 a.m. service and 12 p.m. service. Where, where the cars are lined up on the street, and then you get in and you try to find a parking spot. You finally find a parking spot, and you begin to work to walk towards the door, right? You may be walking with your husband or, or your wife, right? Maybe y'all holding your hands. Maybe you're not because y'all probably argued in the car. Whatever the case may be, right? You're walking in, and there is a hype team, and they're cheering, yes, yes, welcome to our church. There's a greeter at the door. You get into the atrium. There's people all around the atrium. They're taking photos because it's family photo day. You get in here, and there is worship going on. There's so many things going on, easy to be distracted. That's what happened to these people. They were worshiping and did not know that the Savior was actually in their presence. They were doing all of these religious things, but still miss Jesus. They were doing all of the things that they thought was right, but they missed Jesus. Why? Because they were not in a posture of expectation. They were not in expectancy of Jesus' return. They were just doing life. They were just doing themselves, and they missed that the Savior had showed up right in front of them. How many of us don't want that to be our testimony? That we get stuck with the busyness of life, and when Jesus is returned, we get caught off guard. Guess what? Then we must intentionally anticipate the return of Jesus Christ. And here we have Mary and Joseph, this young couple bringing their child. They're walking through the crowd. What, what most people were praying for at that moment, that Jesus would send the Messiah. This Messiah was actually there in their presence, and they didn't know it. Do you realize that there's probably some people that bumped into God, the God that they showed up to pray for, and they didn't even know it. And here, Mary is carrying baby Jesus into their presence, and the only people that realize it is a man named Simeon and a man named Anna. Why do you think that in all of these people that were doing religious things and worshiping God, thinking they were doing the right things, missed the fact that Jesus was there and only two people caught it? It's because these two people weren't just in the temple out of religious practice. 
They were in the temple because they expected the word of God to be manifested and to be true. They showed up to the temple day after day from the age of 21 to the age of 84 looking for Jesus to show up. Why? Because the word of God prophesied that he would. How many of us show up Sunday after Sunday to hear a word for us but not looking for Jesus? Guess what? We have to change the way we live, change the way we walk, change how we live in the kingdom of God or we will fool around and miss Jesus' return. So here we are. Here we are. What can we learn from this lady named Anna? What can we learn from this man named Simeon? The, we, we see here is that there are some practices, there are some principles that we can carry out that will help us to be like Anna, to be able to hear above the noise, to be able to see when things aren't obvious, to see spiritual movements and the activity of God. I call that faith, patience, and dedication. The writer of Hebrews wrote in the Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, it says, We desire that each one of you would show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you do not become sluggish, say sluggish, sluggish. but imitators of, those, of, 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 of imitators of those through faith and patience who will inherit the promises. Do y'all know that holidays makes us sluggish? How many people this year got physically sluggish? I mean, we've been to more parties this year than we ever had. I think people are trying to catch up from COVID. I mean, we done had 15 parties, and we ate at every last one of them. Couldn't turn the food down. Those are just the church parties. Then we went to the office party and had to party there and eat there and enjoy there. And then many of us, Already got stuff marinating and getting ready for tomorrow. We got turkey and brisket and ham and macaroni. And, and, and we're going to be sitting at the house sluggish physically. How many people know some of us are sluggish spiritually? In this time of history, we allow the things of this world to lull us to sleep to where we are so insensitive that we don't even know if God is here coming or going, what he's saying for us to do. And so we must become sensitive to the move of God. So I asked Anna this, uh, I asked Anna this question. I'm like, Anna, I got to talk to the people. I need you to give me some points to tell the people to help us to live with anticipation of Jesus' return. Why? Because we see that what Anna anticipated, we get a chance to celebrate. But we now are anticipating the return of the king. And so we can study Anna's life so that we can get a clear understanding of what it means to wait on Jesus. The first thing is we must walk in devotion and obedience. Walk in devotion and obedience. Now, what does that mean? The first thing that, that stands out is this devotion and obedience. They are walking in a very intentional devotion and a radical obedience to the Lord that was uncommon in their day. In other words, there was a reverence of the Lord over their life, knowing that at any moment they were going to see Jesus face to face. They were living as today may be the day. 
in California, I had a friend, his name was Alan Gobert. Whenever he saw me, he would say, Zarius, look up. Today might be the day. He would always, it didn't matter where I was, whether I was in the mall or at church, he would say, Zarius, look up. Today might be the day. What Alan was saying was, guess what? You need to look up and be expecting Jesus to show up because today might be the very last day that you get to live on this earth. You need to always be paying attention and sensitive to the fact that today might be the last day and Jesus might be returning. Are you expecting and anticipating for him to come? If you're not, you could possibly miss him. So many times we allow the things of this world to throw off the trajectory of our lives. Because guess what? We sit here trying to do our own thing and live our own lives. We allow our hearts to dictate our steps. And God is saying, don't follow your heart because your heart can be deceitfully evil. You need to follow me. It's kind of like, you know, uh, when we drive, there's these white lines or these yellow lines we need to stay in the middle of. Um, Anybody remember driver's education back when you were 15 years old? Some of y'all lying, y'all don't remember that far back. Um, So let's do it this way. Anybody ever been caught behind one of those student driver cars? They got the little yellow sticker. It don't matter if they even have the yellow sticker on there. You can tell that they're a student driver. Why? Because they swerving in and out of the lane. Why? Because a student driver doesn't realize that in order to stay in the lane, you don't look at the front of your car or at the hood of your car. The way you stay in the lane is that you look in the horizon. You look in the horizon because when you look in the horizon, it points you in the direction you're going and you don't have to worry about staying in the lines. The horizon will keep you directed and straight. Do y'all realize that that's the same thing in the kingdom of God? That guess what? You don't have to worry about what's right there in front of you, what's going on today, what the troubles of the world are. Keep looking in the horizon and expecting for Jesus to come. As long as you're focused on him, you don't have to worry about swaying to the left or the right. You must look at the horizon and not what's in front of you. But I know some of y'all are like, hey, man, don't worry about it. I got a new car. I got that auto thing to keep me in the lanes. Just call that the Holy Ghost, right? Let's just, let's just say that's, that's your help. Hey, man, that's your help to keep you in the lanes, right? It nudges you back in there. But you know what, man? One thing that, that I realized when I got a new car that had that little fancy dude jigging in it um, is that um, I don't always use my turning signal. Y'all pray for me. Hey, man, and so I was trying to change lane, and that thing threw me back over. And I was like, thank you, Lord. I almost ran that person over. But it's just like the Holy Spirit that keeps us where we need to be even when we don't know that we need to be there or want to be there. It nudges us back, but God still wants us to keep our eyes on the horizon and expect for him to come. Hmm. We must live in expectation of his return. Not only that, but I I asked Anna, I was like, Anna, um, I need a few points, you know, some of the people that's coming on Sunday, they're from the Baptist church. They need at least three points um, to make this a good sermon, right? So I was like, okay, okay, Hannah. I mean, Anna, I need you to give me three points. The first thing she told me is that point number one, in order to live a life with expectation like I did, she said, devotion to God is really all that matters. 
You must realize that devotion to God is really all that matters because so many times we can get caught up like the Pharisees. The Pharisees thought that the only thing that matters was knowing the word of God. They were impressed with themselves by knowing the Torah. They knew the Torah so much that they missed God because they were actually devoted to themselves, not God himself. Hmm. Not only them, but the Sadducees. The Sadducees missed Jesus as well because they were devoted to political, uh, the political things that were going on and to power. They walked right by the Lord Jesus and Hannah and Anna because they were focused on power and politics. How many of us are going to miss Jesus because we're so focused on power and politics? Not only that, let's look at some of the scribes. Guess what? Uh, 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 these individuals, they knew the law so well. Yet, they missed the Lord. Anna says, you need to be devoted to God. Not to religious activities, not to political powers, but to God. Then she goes on to say, not only do you need to realize that devotion is all that matters. Number two, she says that you need to realize that devotion to God is available to everybody. She says that, you know what, do you realize that I was a woman? In that society, women really didn't matter, but God still chose me to be the testifier of what Jesus did when he arrived. Not only that, but she was a widow. Many times widows were overlooked, but the fact that Jesus chose a widow in the temple and said, I can use you, I will will use your words and allow you to see what other people cannot see. Not only that, but she was an elderly person. And so many times in society, we overlook elderly people thinking that they have no use to the kingdom of God or no use to society. But here Jesus says, it doesn't matter if you're young or you're old, if you're rich or you're poor, if you're a woman or a man, I'm going to use you if you'll just look for me. We see here. Anna says that, you know what, you, you, you just need to be dedicated and realize that dedication to God is really all that matters. You need to be dedicated and realize that dedication to God is available to everyone. But then lastly, she said, guess what, you need to realize that dedication to God takes many outward focuses, but always involves worship, witness, and waiting. It always involves worship, Witness and waiting. Pay attention to the order, though. Most likely, Anna did not live in the temple. But Luke means that she was there all the time. The word translated serving uh, uh, has a nuance to, to mean worship or service to God. Anna's worship took the form of fasting and praying. Fasting means that you go without food for a period of time, and it also included prayer. For the Jews, the most common fast was from sunrise to sunset, uh, and, and some of them had longer periods of fasting in the Bible. But on the Day of Atonement, as a national fast, what they did is that it allowed the people to fast and look towards what Jesus was going to do. Personally, I found fasting to be a beneficial way of setting aside time to seek God in times where I need to know his will and in times of crisis. Sometimes the only time we're going to fast is 21 days of fasting at the beginning of, of January because the church does it. But do you realize that there needs to be periods of fasting in your life to where you regularly give up food to seek the face of God? 
I'm not saying you got to do 40 days. I'm not saying you got to do 21 days. What I'm saying is that you must set aside time so that you intensely and intentionally focus upon seeking God's will for your life. I would say, man, maybe every, every quarter you need to take a day and just fast and seek God's face. Maybe every week you need to take one of your lunch breaks and fast and pray and seek God's face. Whatever the case may be, set appointments where you seek God so that you may hear him and wait with great anticipation for him to come. Anna's worship also took the form of prayer. Some of God's saints are especially gifted in the ministry of prayer. They are enabled to devote large blocks of time to prayer. I know that's not everybody because some people can pray for hours. Some of us get distracted after five minutes. Anybody ever been sitting down praying and you're like, Lord, I got to fold the clothes. I got I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta a dinner list. Some people are just gifted that can sit there and tarry in prayer for hours and intercede on behalf of others and not even think about themselves. And that doesn't necessarily have to be your testimony, but you do have to have a regular regiment of prayer that puts you in the posture of seeking God's face. Even if you're not gifted in the ministry of worship, fasting, and prayer, you need to set aside time to the Lord. Because guess what? There's benefits to praying and fasting. In prayer, you reach for the invisible. In fasting, you let go of the visible. Fasting isn't just a diet. Dieting changes the way you look. Fasting changes the way you see. Do, y- do, y'all, do y'all understand what I just said? Dieting changes the way you look, and some of us need to go there, amen. I'm one, amen. But fasting changes the way you see. It allows you to see beyond what is obvious and sense and see the move of God so that you may see and anticipate his coming. Not only do you have worship, but you also have witness. Hannah said, said, she just couldn't help it. It said that she, she continued to speak of him to others in verse 38. If your cup is brimful, you can't help but spill it onto other people. If you are excited about your relationship with the living God, then guess what? Some people that are around you need to know about it. Some believers justify them not witnessing by saying, I don't talk about it. I just live the message. But part of living the Christian life is talking about Jesus. We all talk about things that we love, right? Have you ever been around a sports fanatic? Let the Cowboys win tonight. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, going to be lit up. We them boys. Everybody becomes a coach. Everybody got some ideas and thoughts about going to the Super Bowl. Sports fanatics don't mind telling the world about their team. Have you ever been around a newly dating couple? Folks that just love each other, Amen. I see some of y'all not there. Y'all married and sitting this far apart. Amen. I get it. I I can always tell who just started dating. Just from up here on stage, they all up on each other. Two people in one seat. Amen. (laughs) Have you ever talked to somebody that just fell in love with somebody? You don't even have to ask about him. You see him at church. We're like, how you doing today? Oh, he coming. He going to be here at next service. I didn't ask him about him. 
but they always talking about the person that they love. Why is it that you can't talk about Jesus? If you say you really love him, then you ought to be able to witness to other people about how good he's been to you, the ways that he's made, the doors that he's opened, the fact that he is just God, his nature, his character is enough for you to tell people about Jesus. Do y'all realize that there is an order? Because if you worship God, then you'll be easily moved to witness for God. And so you must spend time in his presence. Oh, and if you spend time in his presence, you'll find that you'll have something to say and witness to others about his goodness. Not only do you have this worship, not only do you have this witness, but this last part is waiting. Now, this is hard right here because none of us like waiting. We don't like waiting in the grocery store. We don't like waiting on the freeway. If we honest, we don't even like waiting to get into church. I done seen some of y'all. We do not like waiting. Not only did Simeon and Anna wait, but others were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. While this phrase has this nationalistic nuances, it was also referred to the spiritual redemption that God had long ago promised and now was bringing into fruition in the presence of these people. Although these people lived in a wicked city, they were carrying, carried away by the flood of worldly and self-righteousness around them. They were not infected by the carnal expectations of merely, uh, uh, of merely meeting or having an appetizer or just being satisfied with status quo. They were looking for the Messiah in which most Jews missed because they indulged themselves in everything else. But Anna and and, and Simeon and others, they lived in a faith and with a focus on the prophecies. Do y'all realize that devotion to God is really all that matters? It's available to everyone. and It takes many outward forms, but always includes worship, witness, and waiting. But can I tell you, waiting is hard. As Ryan Leake said, when he was here, parenting be hard, guess what? Waiting be hard. (laughs) So many times it's uncomfortable for us to wait because waiting has no instant gratification. And that's what, we love celebration. How many people love celebrate? We love Christmas. Anybody in here love Christmas? We love the celebration of Christmas, right? We love that Jesus showed up, Jesus came. Some people, guess what? Y'all don't even care about Christmas, but y'all love Easter. That's my holiday, amen. Y'all love Easter because guess what? It's the celebration that he got up, yes. Thank you, Lord, because guess what? We show up and we celebrate this Mm, on a Friday. He stayed all night. And early Saturday, he stayed all day. And... uh, Saturday, he stayed there all night, but early, early, he got up with all power. We, we love that stuff. Come on now, we're going we to show up to Good Friday service, we're going to show up to Easter, but how many of us are going to live with an anticipation that the same God that showed up at Christmas and the same God that died on Easter is returning to come for his church? Yes. 
and just like I celebrate what already happened, I'm waiting in, in great anticipation and allowing it to alter how I live so that when he comes back and I see him face to face, I'll be ready to glorify him in the end. Think it not strange that we just finished a study on Revelation the weekend before Christmas. I don't know if Pastor Conway planned it that way, but I know the Lord did. Because for weeks we have been focusing on what it means to anticipate the return of Jesus. And here we are on Christmas morning reminded that guess what? Just because he came is just a a milestone pointing us to the fact that he's going to return. So people, as we look at the life of Anna, on Christmas we get to celebrate what she anticipated. But also be reminded that we must anticipate his return because he's a soon coming king. Christmas is much like communion. It should be a reminder of what God did that points us that Jesus is coming back. Don't miss the point of Christmas focusing on the celebration and missing the anticipation that should alter your life so you'll be ready to celebrate when he comes again. Dear God, we thank you for your word. Today, help us to harden out our hearts. And though we love Christmas and we appreciate the cards, the carols, the candy canes, help us to remember that the true point of the season is to not just celebrate that he came, but to anticipate his return. So God, as we open gifts, may we remember that the greatest gift to ever be given is Jesus. He came and he died. He ascended into heaven, gone to prepare a place for us. And he's soon coming. Let us not miss it, focused on politics and power. Let us not miss it, being focused on religious practices. Let us not miss it, trying to get our money together. Help us to look up, because today may be the day in which you come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.